because if you're going to change how we approach our customers and we're going to start with this customer centric versus product, we're not going to lead with, do you need a credit card? We're going to lead with, how can we help you? You know, what do you need to grow your business or what do you need to help you with your, your personal life? Welcome to the Be Epic Podcast, brought to you by the Sam M. Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas. I'm your host, Brent Williams. Together, we'll explore the dynamic landscape of business and uncover the strategies, insights, and stories that drive business today. Well, today I have with me Laura Merling. Uh, Laura is the Chief Transformation and Operations Officer at Arvest Bank. Laura, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you for the invitation. I was looking forward to it. Me too. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, you and I have gotten to know each other over the last year or so, and you've been in this role at Arvest now for about 18 months? I added be two years next month okay wow well, uh, <laughs> i know time flies <laughs> it does I, it did went by really really fast that well, must mean i'm enjoying it <laughs> that's right uh that's right well you know i think um when you joined arbus really it sounded like the charge was to lead a multi-year large-scale transformation process digital transformation process to some degree i assume um, but maybe before we get into before we get into Arvest and transformation, tell us a little bit about you. Your background's pretty cool. I mean, you've got I, I know Ford, AT and T, Google, now financial services. Tell us about that journey. Oh, it's a it's a long and sorted journey. It was definitely a, a windy road. Um, meaning, uh, you know, part of it's uh, taking advantage of opportunities that that come that came along the way um but it's leveraging knowledge and experience of what i had learned in the previous role um and so it was taking hey i've learned xyz at one company how do i now take apply that to the one that was probably a little bit of a stretch was going you know at&t to autonomous vehicles however <laughs> um but when you think so at&t is connectivity Right. And so then when you think, well, connected cars are kind of the foundation for autonomous vehicles. And then where's the revenue really coming from in self-driving cars? It's not really the car because it's kind of expensive. The revenue is actually in the services that surround it and the digital capabilities. So it's taking what you know and say, well, how would I apply that to another industry? That makes sense. I think I've oversimplified it, but that's what <laughs> no, it was all very accidental. Sense. It was definitely not planned. How that? Uh, well, <laughs> most of our journeys are, right? you know, uh, but it looks like it's been, you've had a lot of fun, like in a lot of varied experiences, which, you know, now in financial services, a Garbus bank, um, I assume all of those experiences have prepared you pretty well for this role. Yes, I think so. Um, there's, you know, there's always things you, the reason you also do it is there's other things you want to learn and can learn by going into, into a new industry. Um, and that's, what's exciting about it. I think I'm a, I'm a continuous learner and um, it's just something I like to do. Uh, but I mean, the things along, along the way that you learn, you know, it was interesting. I look back, at t was 2012. Um, and at the time I thought at t was really behind digitally like hey you're trying to do what online and what do you mean your customers can't do you know xyz online and i look back now and i'm like oh they were actually pretty advanced yeah. <laughs> in terms of level of maturity um and the things that 
that I learned there was the foundation, you know, just before ATT was Alcatel Lucent, which was another, um, they provided telecom infrastructure to AT&T. And those two were kind of my first foray out of being in the software industry. Mm-hmm. And so going from software to the customer side, and now being on the customer side, saying, how do you apply all these great things, all these great technologies? How do you actually make them useful inside of a corporation? Um, and so for me, that was that was kind of the exciting thing is taking what I had learned in the software world and bringing it to an end customer and then taking that on my journey forward. So AT&T, my biggest probably takeaway was how to do metrics around, one, it was a large-scale transformation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, their target was you know, uh, 2020 being 80% digital. So everything that you do with the company, every step, every process in the company being digital. Approach it, what are the steps you take? And then also how do you measure outcomes? How do you measure success? Uh, AT&T, I could tell you down to the button you clicked on the screen how much money we saved Mm -hmm. um, to every phone call that was made, how much money it costs. So it was really measured at a, a detailed level, which was an interesting way to understand metrics and outcomes and how you want to you want to look at transformation, mm-hmm. which I then brought to the next place, <laughs> which was a, a Ford Motor Company. Okay. And I assume you've sort of continued to refine that. And I want to get into that process on that by pillars. Um, but maybe, maybe first a little bit about RFS Bank. So living in Northwest Arkansas, of course, I'm pretty familiar with RFS Bank. Um, and, you know, I've, I've heard you refer to RFS Bank as seeking to be a community bank of the future. Maybe kind of just tell us a little bit about RFS, where RFS is going, the footprint, and those kinds of things. So started out as a community bank. It's always been a community bank. And I started about 60 years ago by Sam Walton. And I think what's interesting is, so we don't want to, it's not that we, we ever didn't, we never went away from being a community bank, but we want to continue to be a community bank in a digital world, which I think it's a, an interesting, you know, when you think about community, where does community happen? Does it happen in the neighborhood square or does it happen online? And if they found who you are and what you're doing, the answer is yes, yeah. right? It's both. Um, and so, you know, what does that transformation mean for us? So we're in, we're about a mid-sized bank. So okay. we like to be called a community bank because we're focused on a, on serving the community. Okay. But if you talk to the regulators, we're a mid-sized bank. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's usually how a regulator is going to make that determination. Exactly. Based on assets. It's based on asset size. Um, and so... But we're in four states, so we have Arkansas, uh, Oklahoma, Missouri, and Kansas as our kind of four-state footprint. Uh, within those, we we aren't across the whole state. We're in a subset of those states, um, but definitely serve those states. We also have some things that we do that are nationwide, um, and so we have a mortgage. Uh, we do mortgage servicing, and that's nationwide. Um, we have a, another service that we do, which is... Um, uh, automotive lending that is beyond the four states. So we have a few things that we do that stretch beyond the four state footprint, and those are all done digitally already today. Okay. Well, I noticed, you know, speaking of RVS as seeking to serve the community, I noticed not too long ago uh, an announcement about maybe different like industries or verticals, if you will, within a community that you're really focused on serving or serving maybe more holistically. Yeah. So when we think about 
uh, a community bank and what does it mean to be a community bank in the future? We started by saying, well, what is a community bank today, right? It's about relationships. And so we don't want to lose the relationship piece of being a community bank. It's really at the core of who Arvest is and has always been and wants to continue to be. And so then we said, if we take that as the foundation or the, or the, um, the individuals, the companies and the nonprofits that serve the community. And how do we think about that? So when you start to think, you think it's everything from skilled trade to agriculture to healthcare. And so what we did is we started with two of those entities and said, okay, we're going to take healthcare and agriculture. We have a lot of experience in serving those communities, those companies. Um, and what can we do to bring more value to them? How can we help them succeed in the community, both as a business, but their employees that then make up the community? And so it was really starting with those two, um, what are the services that we can provide to them uh, and, and make sure that we get more focused in the areas of, of value that we bring to them as a, as a bank? Okay. Um, we don't want to just be a bank. We want to be a partner. Um, and, and what does that mean to be a partner? And I guess that means refining products and services, building new products, integrating products. Is it all the above? It's all of the above. Um, so it's understanding, um, you know, so in our in our footprint where we are, um, some of the key areas that we serve are uh, row crop, um, right, beef cattle, and then our outside cow cap operations uh, and poultry. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about that, well, what do each of those customers in our market need? You know, row crop is very different from poultry in terms of what they need to operate and run their business and how they might want a partnership and what that means. On the healthcare side, you have um, small physicians' offices. Um, you know, if I'm a, a one or two, you know, physician office, I might need CFO in a box, right? Yeah. If I'm row crop, I might need a leasing platform because I might lease my land out. So it's it's really figuring out what it is and then where do we add value um, to that to that partnership or to that relationship. Okay, that makes total. Does that sense. help? It does. Uh, <laughs> and I just when I when I saw it and heard about it, I thought it made so much sense. You know, to to focus on those areas that really are pillars of the communities uh, that we all live in. I guess. And those are those are centers of excellence. And what we're doing with those is they will partner with each of the bank markets. So rather than having everybody have to hire experts, now some will, we still want experts where it makes sense, but how do they help with policies, process, products? What are all the things that they can do to help bring? Uh, so there you have industry expertise themselves. And we, we have some interesting, so the, the gentleman that we just hired to run healthcare also happens to own a farm, uh, a fifth generation family farm. So, but then so does the person that runs our food value chain also is on a seventh generation family farm. So but we've actually found it's been an interesting uh, dynamic between the two of them and what what they can bring together to to our to help serve our customers. Um, well, so you've been with our best almost two years um, and hired to lead transformation. So 
maybe kind of walk me back over the last couple of years as you as you stepped into this industry, as you stepped into art and innocent, and as you stepped into this community, like what are some of the things in that learning process that stand out? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, one was just Arbus itself is a unique company. And it's it's interesting because everybody will say that during the interview process. We have amazing people here. We have really nice people. Um, I I have to say, uh, uh, no offense to all the other places that I've worked, they have great people. But um, Arbus, the folk, people are just really nice. They are very people-oriented people. Um, it's just a, a really fun, welcoming environment and everybody's there to try to help each other. And it just is a, I've really enjoyed that. So that yeah. stood out just as a, as a company. One of the things that, that I learned is I've been in a lot of different industries that are all regulated, mm -hmm. right? So um, the, the difference is uh, that I've learned with um, financial services is regulatory is part of what you do day to day and ingrained and embedded in everything that you do, whether it be um, deposits or lending. So whether we're giving you a, a bank account, checking and savings account, or whether we're giving you a commercial loan, it's in every part of what we do. And that was to me for an interesting learning to think about, okay, how do we, when I think about transformation, I never had people from the chief risk officer's office sitting in every meeting. Yeah. We now have that person sitting in every meeting. We have someone from um, risk and compliance who sits in every one of our discussions about our product roadmap, our technology roadmap, what we're thinking about doing from a transformation, like setting up the centers of excellence. Mm -hmm. They're in all of those discussions. Mm -hmm. So that's one learning and one one change. Um, I don't know if that's the type of learning you are yeah. looking for. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just an interesting, uh, I guess, nuance to the industry as you're stepping into the transformation. And, and, I, and I also wonder... Like, you know, all right, so day one of a job like that, you know, how do you start thinking about the process? Because it is very much about a process. It It is about a process. Um, uh, so one is just understanding and learning the landscape of the bank. Okay. What does it do? <laughs> you know, what I, you know, all the services that Arbus has to offer, there's a lot of them. So how do you understand them? Not just who runs them, but but how does the, how the customers use them? How do they think about them? What are the different levers that we use in the bank uh, to to run the bank? Um, just really kind of understanding who makes up the bank, understanding the different markets that we're in, because every market has different needs. Mm -hmm. Understanding right what each of the markets serve and and what our our market looks like. That's just foundational, and that's kind of throughout everything that you do. But back to one of the things that I kind of took away from my work at AT&T was setting up a, a framework for how I would think about transformation. Yeah. What did I learn there? How do I think about taking that forward? And it's it's crazy, but it's a 90-day framework. Okay. Uh, and, and that framework starts with, who do you want to be when we grow up? Okay. Um, you have to figure out, and you can't solve that in 90 days. And these are sort of the questions you're asking yourself. These are the questions. Okay. Yeah. So you have to understand who we are to know where you, where you want to go. Okay. How do you leverage? Um, there's a, a great, um, I got an opportunity to work with someone at Ford that that helped me refine this a little bit. Um, and his name is Roger Martin. And he, I wrote a book called um, 
um, well, how to win is what it's called, but it's where I play how to win. Yep. I got a chance to work with Roger Martin. Really amazing. Yes, it was very cool. Um, really pushed. Uh, how do you how do you think about framing it? But it's it's where do you want to go as a business? Is along the where to play, how to win kind of framework and construct that takes time to do that. So it's where do you want to be as a business? The second one is understanding the customer base. So five pillars. Pillar two is do you know who your customer is? Mm-hmm. And in that, do you really know who your customer is? Mm-hmm. We always talk about it. Um, but the the thing that I learned um, at Ford, which was really interesting, was, you know, we were building autonomous vehicles and we were looking at, well, what would they get used for? Will you use it to move people or will you use it to move goods? Mm-hmm. We would probably use it to move both. Mm-hmm. But when we were looking at using it to move goods, one of the things that was really interesting was there's a big difference between the way a customer looks at getting a package delivered to them and the way that the company doing the delivery looks at delivering the package. Yeah. So I think we all know that because yeah. we've gotten the box all crumpled up at our doorstep. Yeah. But um, but it's, you know, if you're the customer, you're thinking, am I, do I want it today or do I want it tomorrow? Do I want it delivered to me or do I want it delivered to my doorstep? Am I, am I going to be home? Am I going to be away? Like, what are all those things? If you're the company delivering it, you're thinking, uh, is it, does it need to be refrigerated um, or does it not? Uh, is yeah. this long haul or local? Like, am I going across country or am I going down the street? So very different in terms of how we all think about it. And so what happens is most companies tend to think of it from their view of how they need to get the package to you versus how you how you want to receive the package. Mm-hmm. And if you can flip it and think about it from the lens of how they want to receive the package, you can redesign what it is that you're doing and make it more customer first and customer friendly. I assume what, you know, when you enjoy an organization, you know, we've been, if I've been in an organization for 15 or 20 years, I think I know who my customer is. Um, but I'm sure there's always surprises uh, for the organization as you really start to dig in. How do you bring a fresh look to a company on who their customer is? Well, the easy part is the fact that you don't know the industry. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so a fresh set of eyes. A fresh set of eyes is, is one good way. Um, a lot of people will do uh, NPS, Net Promoter Score, which is, do you like me? Yeah. Will you recommend me? Yeah. Um, we did a vulnerability study, which is completely the opposite. Um, what are the rocks in your shoes? What are the things that are going to drive you away from us? Like what don't you like about what we do? So we did that, a little bit of that. Um, but it's also going out and talking to customers and understanding who they are. So uh, standing in the lobby of a branch <laughs> and talking to customers or and asking them questions. And it's really figuring out who they are from that perspective and what are they trying to do? You know, it's 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 kind of stepping back and looking at it through just a different lens and looking at it as who you are as a person, not what financial services do you need. If we look at it through the, do you need a loan? Do you need a credit card? That's not helping you mm-hmm. with your who you are, how you want to live, how you want to run your business. I think it's that taking that perspective will really change the answers that you get. For what you might offer absolutely that customer centric perspective works no matter what the industry it does uh, it does so customer understanding the customer is pillar two yeah how about three so pillar three was uh, probably the, the 
I started within the first 30 days um, just because it takes a while, which Pillar 3 is really doing a technology assessment. Okay. So uh, the transformation that Arvest hired me to do, well, some of it is technology. It's really about transforming the bank. How do we make sure we're set up for where, you know, the world changed during COVID that won't start to change before COVID and continues to change. And it's, it's technology is everywhere, right? Um, think about how fast uh, people started using Gen AI. Yeah. It went from zero to 100 million users in two months. Yeah. Two months. Um, that's pretty fast adoption of a technology. And so for us, you know, it's where do we want to be as a bank and how do we still be a community bank that's technology enabled? And so pillar three is technology assessment. So it was understanding the landscape of everything that we have at the bank, all in underlying uh, technology capabilities, applications, systems, uh, and that takes a while. Um, and as you might imagine, in any, this is any institution that's been around for more than a year, <laughs> you have legacy technology. Uh, I think I talked about it at another conference was the minute you implement the technology, it's legacy. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's making sure that you're thinking about how you construct things for the future. So you want to know what you have to know where you need to go. And that technology assessment is also what data do we have and what data can we get out of that technology? You know, what, what data can we get from the systems that we have and how do we... How do we think about that data? Um, data really is exhaust from the systems that you use. I hate to say that, but it's exhaust from the the applications and services that that are, that that our customers use and our associates use. And it's important to understand both the technology and where it is, but also to understand the data and what's available because the best way to serve the customer is to know what they're using and not using because you don't want to continue to offer things that aren't valuable or if um, like simple things are, are this is going to sound really crazy, but our mobile check deposit for a while, people were having a challenge with mobile check deposit. Well, if we don't look at what they're having a challenge with, you don't know that it was actually, we were just giving them an error saying we couldn't deposit it. We weren't giving them an error saying, well, you didn't sign the check. Well, it was really just the pen signed the check, right? Yeah. So it's making sure that you're being very specific about what the problem is, but you have to know what data you can what you have access to and not access to, to be able to improve mm -hmm. customer service. All right, step four. <laughs> so step four is um, defining, looking at um, metrics. Now step four kind of means to go hand in hand with uh, customer technology and then where you want to go. Because step four really is what metrics can you use to define success? and there's longer term metrics, but there's short term metrics. So what we did was we took the vulnerability study that we did, where are the pain points and rocks in the shoes, uh, and how could we set up some quick wins to demonstrate metrics and outcomes? Hey, you know, um, by improving self-service for password reset, we can take a thousand calls a month out of the contact center. Great, that's not just that's a thousand customers we've made happier. <laughs> and it's also a thousand less calls to the contact center. So there's there's two ways to measure that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's 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 things like that that we wanted to be able to say, what are the metrics that we can take in the short term? And then long term, as we've put together our technology roadmap, 
uh, as well as our transformation roadmap, like where do we want the business to be and how does that tie to technology? We now have big projects that we're working on uh, that I can tell you over a five-year period, here's the investment we're going to make and here's the outcomes we expect each year, either the reduction in cost uh, that we take out of the bank uh, or um, increased potential revenue. And so um, we look at both sides of that coin for the investments that we're making. Okay. And that's sort of your final piece to your framework? And then the last piece of the framework is actually in the governance. Okay. Um, so so metrics is, is kind of four, and the fifth piece is really governance. And, and governance is really, governance is really about um, how do we make sure that we're holding each other accountable for all the things that we're trying to do. Okay. Um, and that's governance of the process. That's yeah. governance of the process. That's also, it's a little bit of governance of things happen. Uh, market dynamics change. Uh, market dynamics changed earlier this year in banking, mm -hmm. uh, right? Um, we had some changes happen in the banking sector. Uh, and so you have to be prepared to adjust for those dynamics for what you do as part of your strategy, right? So while we created a multi-year roadmap, mm -hmm. you have to make sure that you've put enough, you're putting governance that you're not spending dollars on something that right now doesn't make sense. Maybe you do come back to it again next year. Yes, it's on your long-term journey, but you need to step out of that journey to do something else right now. Yeah. And so that's that's what that governance is. It's, it's to look holistically at your roadmap mm -hmm. and say, what are you doing? And are you still prioritizing what you should be? I think the thing that sounds the reason why I wanted to go through that framework is, you know, I, I think it, it's just a, a simple way to to think about this, right? To think about it, I assume it's allowed you to galvanize your team around it, and you can communicate it easily. And it's not; uh, it doesn't only work in financial services; it works in in any industry. It works in any industry. And the one thing that people uh, always go, but you forgot people. I was like, well, I didn't really forget the associates. What what we've what we've done is we kind of see people as kind of overarching okay. across those that process. We're methodically thinking about the meet our best program and what that means to our associates on the people side. And along with that comes process changes. So we've built out a whole organizational change management team. Uh, and that organizational change management team is right there along with us uh, through every step of the way with our associates uh, and with the technology team to say, here's what we need to do. It's complicated. Yeah, it is complicated. But it's not. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you, you explained it. it, it I, I think, I, I don't know if I used the word simple. Simple to understand, complicated to probably execute upon yeah. and you know as and, and one thing i just wanted to mention is you know we we laid it out as a framework of five steps but those are five linear steps right and they're definitely not linear uh, <laughs> that's a, that that's one thing that probably has seen the complexity it it does well and then they're not linear and they're not one time yeah. right you have to continually be looking at all of those now, you don't want to continually change your goalpost of what, mm. what you want your business to be in five to 10 years when you grow up, because you don't want to keep changing the goalpost. Mm -hmm. But it's not a direct line. It's going to be zigs and zags, again, based upon things that happen in the market. Who would have known COVID? Yeah. Who would have known Silicon Valley Bank? Who would have known, right? Just so 
So things have market dynamics happen that you have to pay attention to. Well, as you, I guess I'll kind of kind of ask you a, a two prompt question here. Uh, as you look back over the last couple of years, um, what's maybe the thing that you're most proud of thus far, and then anything as you're looking forward that really really excites you? Probably one of the main things was the Meet Our Best program because um, we didn't have have that right and. We partnered with our our people team, our HR team, to and, and a third party helped us um, because without that, you know, people would join the company and they've had different experiences at other companies. Um, so people have been at our best for a long time, but but they also have come at different stages of their career, and those experiences might lead them to believe like we had a, a few of our associates who were terrified of moving to the cloud because they were at another company that when they moved to the cloud, uh, they outsourced all of it. I see. And so they lost their job. Yeah. So when we said we were moving to the cloud, they're like, oh, I'm losing my job. Right. No, 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 no. We, we, we need you here. We want to we wanna teach you how to do this. And so me setting up the Arvest framework and foundation and, and getting that in place, and it, it wasn't easy. It took of almost a full year for people to believe that we were really not going to let we were focused on their growth on their success alongside of what we were doing so that's probably one because now it's spreading across the rest of the bank right it takes time to roll it out but that for me is probably one thing that i'm most excited about what we've been able to, to put in place um in terms of the the uh, transformation on the technology side we are on track uh and it's been pretty fast um we've we've made four pivots if you ask my head of infrastructure he'll tell you we've made four pivots on our migration to cloud yeah. over the last year we are not the only one you have to i think i just if i could tell everybody just if you think you're the only one, you're not. Go ask five other companies. They've made four pivots as well. So if you're trying to move to cloud. Um, but over the course of that year, not only have people learned it and done side by side with partners, but we will be we'll be out of one full data center with almost from a year beginning to end to be in Google Cloud uh, with one of our data centers. And that's a pretty good... That's a pretty good clip. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, by anybody's standard, yeah. that's, a, that's a fast pace. So I think I think the team and what they were able to do there, um, there's, I mean, there's so many. I mean, we've had so many between the quick wins that we did with the contact center and making some adjustments there to last year we went, um, we have two things. Last year and nine months, we went from building our own new core banking platform to delivering ability to do equipment finance uh, as a loan product on a new core banking platform that we built from the ground up. Mm -hmm. um, yesterday, we launched our um, loan origination system for all commercial lending. So the other one was uh, loan servicing. This is loan origination mm -hmm. for uh, a sub portion of our commercial loans. And the team built that from the ground up. Mm -hmm. um, and we did it in partnership with, it, we we changed the operating model. So the, I mean, there's so many wins. We we changed the operating model of how we built software for, for, for Arvest, for us. Um, 
the lenders, the loan assistants, customers all gave input to what we built and how we built it. And every two weeks, we had a group of, of associates that got to see what we call a sprint, right? So we follow an agile um, process and every two weeks we demonstrate what we built. We built this, look at it, built this, look at it. Uh, we even had our uh, loan assistants and the lenders got to design what they needed on the screens. Like, this is what it needs to look like for us. And oh, by the way, we need a pizza tracker so that everybody that's working on the loan knows where it is when the customer calls. And oh, by the way, the customer needs access to the pizza tracker so they know where the loan is. So I think all of those things add up. There's just so many of them. Um, some you can't measure, like measuring that partnership with our internal associates and customers to define what that product looks like. We had never done that mm -hmm. on that regular basis. Um, you don't have a way to measure that. Yeah. Other than hopefully they use the platform, yeah. right? That's yeah. the, the goal is it gets used because many products get implemented and kind of forced usage, meaning this might not be the best tool ever, but here you go, use it. Well, if you get to design it, that really helps in terms of adoption, use, and, and value that it brings. Yeah, but what about um, Azure, any, anything just on the horizon that's really exciting? Oh, so many things. That's <laughs> your <laughs> We have a lot of um, big projects and programs on the docket for next year. We we have a continuation of this loan origination and loan servicing platform for customers, um, revamping our consumer um, platform. But what I'm really more excited about right now is where these centers of excellence, uh, right, they're new. Yeah. And so I'm really excited about what these centers of excellence can help bring to our customers. What is the value? Um, we've started uh, in the in the healthcare space, we've already started a customer advisory board um, that is really, you know, we have uh, one customer, uh, she's a, uh, she runs a, a unit inside a hospital and she's a, a practicing physician, but she also is doing the hospital's transformation. Okay. And so the interesting part there is she wants to learn from us what we're doing on our transformation. We want to learn from her what we can help with the hospital or even the hospital employees. Like what's what's the value add? Where do we have benefit? Mm -hmm. So I think there's so much to be gained from those centers of excellence yeah. that I just I'm looking forward to what the outcomes are from from they just started, right? Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to the outcomes from from those centers of excellence. Thank you. I think it will be exciting to see how those are additional value to customers' lives, no doubt. Well, maybe as we as we conclude, I, I always ask a sort of similar question. Uh, you know, at the Walton College, we've got somewhere between probably 8,500 and 9,000 students, uh, you know, that, that are part of the business school. Um, and so, you know, as you just kind of think about what you've learned uh, throughout all of your career journey and you think about if you could just give one piece of advice to to a student, what is it? I, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a quote from somebody. Um, so uh, there was a quote from a, a former president that said, "Just do stuff." Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say, "Just try stuff." Yeah. If people ask you, just try it. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I, I, when they asked me, when Ford asked me to do autonomous vehicles, I was like, you're kidding me, right? I know nothing about them. And they're like, that's okay. You get connectivity. You can figure that. So, so you just have to put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to try things, I guess, is really what I would say. Like if, if opportunities come your way, you don't know if you can do it unless you try it. Um, so I, I mean, I still stay involved in the autonomous vehicle community because <laughs> um, I still love that, right? It's a space I'm passionate about. I still talk to all my friends at at and and actually we're thinking about how we use some of that technology to do a, could you go stand up a pop-up branch with, you know, an independent network that didn't need hardwired connectivity. Like you can take things with you as a nugget. Just don't be afraid. Just try whatever comes your way. Love the advice. Well, Laura, thank you for joining me today. Um, it's been a pleasure to get to know you. And it was a pleasure today to get to learn about uh, the transformation journey at Arvest and the way you approach it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. On behalf of the Walton College, thank you for joining us for this captivating conversation. To stay connected and never miss an episode, simply search for Be Epic on your preferred podcast service.